hundred years. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta move on. Those Who the f is Mike Young? Would like to thank our incredible sponsor, Blue Team. Ain't nothing funny about a commercial disaster or renovation project. Blue Team handles all aspects of construction, roofing, and disaster recovery for commercial property owners and operators throughout the U.S. No company comes even close to Blue Team. Blue Team handles the projects from start to finish so our clients can focus on running their business, and that is no joke. Call the experts at Blue Team at 855 522 2583. Blue Team. Anywhere, anytime. Welcome to another episode of Who the F is Mike Young. I figured I would take this time just to talk about Kobe Bryant, even though I never met him. I didn't know him. I'm from Detroit, and I just have to say, what do you learn from an event like this? And it's not like we need to be re-reminded of how short life is and how fleeting it all is. But this was a tragedy that I've never really felt over an entire city before. I was in L.A. when Magic Johnson uh, announced that he had HIV. And that was like a shocking event where a blanket just came over the entire city and everybody was sad. And everybody was kind of shocked and nobody really knew how to react and you thought it was a death sentence so you kind of felt like oh my god magic is gonna die but this is worse because Kobe and his daughter and other kids and families died in a helicopter accident and it rattled not just a city but I think it just rattled a country and beyond to its core. And it's like, we don't need to be reminded of how short life can be and how quickly something can be taken away and how it doesn't matter what position or status or money situation you're in. When something like this happens, it just goes, it just says to you, love your loved ones, make your relationships count, be around people that make you feel good. Every second matters, and it's just poetic irony that Kobe Bryant, his whole philosophy was be the best you can be every single second, no matter what you do, no matter where you're at. I mean, not much has been said about it, but Kobe Bryant woke up the day after he retired, and he went to the office, and he started to learn how to write, and he wrote his story, and he won an Oscar, okay? So if you don't understand that like discipline and fulfillment and habits can make you, can change your life and make you as great as you're supposed to be, that to me was what Kobe represented. And then to see him talk about his daughter and to be at her games, it's, I'll be honest, man, I've probably cried seven times in the last two days just watching the damn tributes and the highlights of this guy. And for all you comedians and jokesters and pranksters out there that thought it was cool to, to make a joke about his, in, his discrepancies and his issues off the court, you ain't shit. You're never going to be shit. So it doesn't matter what you said. You know what I mean? Because this wasn't about that. You know, 
You could be great at work and great as an example and not be great in life. And I'm not trying to do a bit. I'm saying you can, you can mess up. But this was, this was something that, you know, really, really hit hard because I think about, when I think about Kobe, I think about my boys in Detroit and us sitting around and having the greatest conversations ever. Who's the greatest? Oh, who's your first pick going to be? Yo, do you take Kobe or do you take Magic? Yo, do you take Shaq as your center? Do you take Kobe as your off guard? Like, who, who's your first pick? Who's your second pick? Okay, let's go around the room. Okay, Roy, who's your, who do you take first? Oh, I, I'm taking Magic at the point. Okay, is it is it modern day magic or is it magic in his rookie season? Do you take Kobe first season, Kobe at his prime? Everybody in their prime, who do you take? And those are like the that's the joy and the passion that we used to have that we still have if we get together. My boys have it way more because they're all still in Detroit watching sports all the time, raising their kids who are playing sports at different levels and high levels. And watching the habits that these kids have that were inspired by guys like Kobe. And it just brings like joy to my heart to just think about us driving in my car back in the day, Mercury Marquee that was handed down from my grandpa because we had no money to get me a new car at the time. And I was rocking the 1975 fat giant green Mercury Marquee, and we're all in it, and everyone's going around the car doing their draft, and we're drafting. Who you taking? There was a time where people draft were taking were taking Kareem as their center. You know what I mean? And there was the debate of Kareem and who's going to play. You know who's going to play your point? You know there was a time where Isaiah was getting picked. You know, but his character showed to be too flawed. But these conversations got us all the way up to Kobe Bryant was always going to be on your team. And it makes me think about my boy Evan, who would always say, I don't know, man, Kobe is as good as Jordan to me. Look at this. He's a Jordan clone. This dude is a fucking Jordan. Look at this dude. I'm telling you, fellas, you don't know. You don't know how good this dude is. I'm looking at him and I'm going, this is Michael Jordan's style done better. And it just bring it just brings joy and there's dudes out there who don't love sports and that's okay and who don't dig competition who like one-on-one that you know you'd rather watch the ufc than an nba championship that's fine that's your thought that's your that's your vibe that's okay but for me and my crew sitting around talking shit about kobe michael magic lebron who's your first pick kareem uh, you know, Wilt, guys took Wilt, but Kobe Bryant was always in the thought. And I just have to speak on it because I, like I said, I never met Kobe. I never even seen Kobe other than going to a Laker game and seeing him play. I've never seen him in the world like out here. And that's because he was probably shooting hoops at the park when everybody else was out drinking and partying and going club hopping, he was shooting a thousand free throws. And I'm kind of obsessed with how can I be better at what I do and how can I be the best comedian and the best writer that I can. And you start to look at the clock. You look at the clock and you go, man, time's running out. And time's running out for everybody once the clock starts. And, you know, listen, I'm not trying to spit poetry. I'm just saying nobody did it better when the clock was running out than Kobe Bryant. And watching all these tributes and watching Kimmel and Fallon, you know, just break down in tears. It's like, 
what are you doing, man? Be good to the people around you. And don't come out with this bullshit about he did this and had to settle a case and this and that. Okay, were you there? Do you know what happened? Do you know how many dudes settle cases so they don't have to drag their family through some bullshit? Do you know how many people go up into hotel rooms of pro athletes when they're on the road? You know how many women go up into hotel rooms of comedians and entertainers and rock stars? And I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just saying you weren't there. So hold your tongue. You weren't there. You don't know what's going on. You know, this is a man who lost his kid, who lost his life, who lost his friends. This is a wife who's home with her other daughters who they don't have a father right now. This is a tragic event, man. It is. And some people are going to go, well, 30 people died in Afghanistan. Yeah, okay, I get it. It's all tragic and sad. But this is right in your face. And this is another wake-up reminder that the clock is running out. And you have to do your best while you're here. Just be the best version of you. You know, and I almost don't like saying it because I sound like some Tony Robbins offshoot. But that's okay because Tony Robbins hired me to perform at his birthday party. So that's a whole other story for who the F is Mike Young. But fact, fact is... I was performing at the comedy store one night. Tony Robbins went up to the manager at the time, said, who is that? He gave me a card to call. I didn't really think it was real. I called the card. I met Tony Robbins for two two seconds. I named a price. And next thing I knew, I was performing at Tony Robbins' birthday party where he rented out an entire club in Los Angeles. And there he was in a snakeskin jacket surrounded by beautiful women because he was in the middle of a divorce and he was single. So that's that story. But... My point is, the Kobe thing, it, it just it, it shook you. It's fresh. It just happened. I was on the plane with Bob Saget coming back from New Mexico, and we're 30,000 feet in the air, and we're an hour into our trip from New Mexico back to L.A., and right before we descend, Bob just says to me, you're not going to like this. And his wife sent him a text that said, Kobe Bryant killed in a helicopter accident. And I just sank because obviously I thought it was not true at first. And I just, you just like, you sink, your heart sinks. And then you pray that this isn't true, that something's going to come out, that it was not real or it was a hoax or it just wasn't the, it didn't happen. And then we went online and started seeing reports. And then you see the report that potentially his daughter was on board. And then it comes out that his daughter was on board. And then if you have any empathy in the world, you just sink because you just, you see Kobe at his girls games. You see Kobe, you know, wanting to make the greatest little player, little girl out of his girls. And any interview you see with him, he's just so happy that he's got four girls and he's not talking about how he wants a boy. Like most athletes, they want their boy. They could bring him up. Fuck no. Kobe was happy with his girls. He loved that. That was his life. That was his legacy. And it's just, I couldn't not do some sort of podcast or I couldn't not talk about it because I'm just going to try to be real on this podcast and say what it is and what it means to you and what it means to me. And what it means to me is it brings me back to loving the time around my family and thinking about like being around all my cousins and that's like the joy the most joy joyous time I really I don't want to say I ever had but it's like 
relationships and connections are the most important things while we're here if we can feel them and we can really be in them. And it just kind of brings me back to like my grandpa's house and being around 15 cousins and just how happy you are at all times, even though somebody might spill a drink on you of Orange Crush and you might start crying because you got put in a headlock by your older, stronger cousin or you got kicked in the shin by your stronger little brother or whatever it was. For some reason, this whole Kobe thing just made me think about connections and people and kind of saying that you love the people that you're connected to and you know i know i'm sure it sounds cliche to some people but if you're not checking yourself and you're not looking around you got to tell the people that you love that you love them and the other thing i got from kobe was his discipline and to be honest i didn't love kobe's attitude when I didn't know about him. When I used to watch him play and I heard he didn't get along with Shaq for a moment and they were battling, I was a Shaq guy. I was like, yo, I love Shaq. He's jovial. He's fun. But then I saw a documentary about Kobe and I realized that Kobe Bryant would land and at two o'clock in the morning after the team got back to LA, Kobe would go to the park alone and shoot a thousand free throws and just shine his lights onto the court and shoot a thousand free throws every time he came back. And why not leave it all on the floor while you're here? Whatever you can do. Not everybody gets the physical gifts of that. Not everybody gets mental gifts. Not everybody gets the gifts. But whatever you got, your gift is that you're here. And so while you're here, you have to, you have to do what you're here to do. And I don't give a damn if you're a freaking, if you're the maintenance man in my building, you're a plumber, you're the cleaning lady, I don't care if you, you know what I mean, if you clean toilets of uh, stadiums, it doesn't matter. Just be all here while you're here. You know what I mean? Just be here. Be the best at every moment you can. And I don't even know if that sounded right, what I just said, because I'm kind of rambling, but I mean it when I say... Life is fragile as shit. And when somebody like Kobe, who's who you think of, you know, besides Shaq with the S on his chest, Kobe really was a Superman, like Jimmy Kimmel said. When he can go out like this in a tragic event that was probably avoidable, you know, if it was thought out differently or, or whatever, an accident can take out Kobe. Just a freaking accident then you have, to, you have to always just look at the clock and look at the clock and just think to yourself, time's running out. And you don't need to act frantic and you don't need to act, you know, the statistics say you could live longer, but my point is every second counts. And I'm just saying, feel good, be good, love the people that you're around, try to get as many like memories. And I'm going to quote my boy, Jesse Itzler here, who is a motivational speaker, who is an endurance athlete, who's motivated me through our friendship of 25 years. And he always talks about make memories, make memories. And it's tough for me because I'm a writer and a lot of my time is actually spent alone in this damn apartment writing at a computer and notebooks everywhere and I that's just the life of the writer and it's a lot of solitude 
but at least my memories and my joy and you know my moments can come in the writing. And Stephen King always said in his book, you know, writing by Stephen King, he talks about you know writing is actually uh, is, is telepathy. Writing's telepathy. Writing's connection. So what I'm writing is going to connect over to you. So you can get fulfillment and joy out of putting the pen to the paper and just you know telling your story. And it's funny because I had people are like, yo, what was your dream? What was your dream? And it's, it sounds strange when I say it, but I used to dream that I would live memories, real memories for 25, 30 years. I would live and say yes to a lot of things and go to things and just say yes and go to events and be maybe a little wilder than I should have been. And are there regrets? Absolutely. There's regrets out there. But I always said, I'm going to live for 30 years. I'm going to write for 20 years, 25 years. And then somehow I'm going to live off that writing for the rest of my life after that. Like I'm going to be able to live and survive off of the stories that I told. And it kind of is exactly what's been happening with my life is that I live and then I write stories that are about that or I tell stories that are about that on stage and I've been able to just feed myself. I'm not rich. You know what I mean? But I'm rich in experience and I'm rich in that I can eat and live and do my thing and I do the job that I love and I get paid for it and I found it. I found it. And the Kobe tragedy to me just says, yo, find your thing and put your discipline and put your work in and be the best version of yourself that you can be and just love the people that you love and be around the people that make you feel good and get away from the people that don't make you feel good and get away from the people that don't raise you up and get away from the people that bring you down, that weigh you down and the situations that weigh you down, you know, and we all have people we see that can be doing better with themselves that have, you know, that, that put themselves in tough positions and they make those choices. And listen, I've done that before. I've been there. I've hung on some low fruit in my life, and I'm not even judging the people that I was being around, but I'm saying I did some low-life, low-level shit back when I was young, you know? I did criminal against the law, stupid behavior that I fully regret, you know? But something woke me up one day, and I think back to, like, what was the emotion and what was the dialogue in my mind when I was doing dirt as a kid, and I was stealing and fucking... It makes me sick to even say what I was doing. You know, to be honest, to be real, it makes me sick. I was stealing car radios. I was robbing freaking stupid things, you know, fuzz busters and breaking into houses. And I mean, I did stupid things, but I know what the dialogue in my head was. And it's because I took the tragedies that happened in my life and I redirected them in the wrong way. Right? So... I come from a family, three suicides. My first aunt killed herself. She shot herself at my grandfather's house. And I was so upset and angry and confused that the dialogue in my mind was, you know, F it. I'm not going to live past 25. Life is too short. I'm going to go rob and steal and I'm going to take what I can. It was the wrong mentality, but it it was the mentality of a teenager who doesn't have a brain yet. And I remember... A year after that, my uncle jumped off a bridge or 
we got so many damn tragedies in the family. I can't remember if my uncle shot himself first or my other uncle jumped off a bridge. And that's not a joke. But either one, I remember thinking, I remember thinking after the third, second, second or third suicide, I remember thinking to myself, then I'm going to, mental illness is going to creep into me. It's just going to creep into my brain. And this is how I end. And then I got, I went into depression. For the first time in my life, I was depressed. I'd never been laid out on a couch and couldn't get up. And I'd never been like just crushed mentally with no energy and ability to get out. And I was a dude that went out all the time. But I remember after my uncle jumped off a bridge between Detroit and Canada and killed himself, I remember vividly thinking to myself, this is the curse that's going to hit me soon. And this is going to be my fate. And I was laid out and I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell my dad. I didn't tell anybody why I was laid out. But my parents were like, yo, you need to get up. Like you need to get out. Like what's up with you? Because I was the kid that was always leaving the dinner table to go hang with my friends. I was always getting in the car and going to pick up my boys and get high and go do our wild shit and just be wild out there with the girls and the parties. I, I was like the guy to have fun with, you know? I drove the damn Mercury Marquis 1975 to, uh, you know, and, and won the scavenger hunt because I was a super dope driver at 16, you know? But th this shit laid me out, and I'd never been laid out before, depression-wise. And I remember my boy, I love him, He's been through a lot too. You know, I don't want to, I talk about him in my act sometime, but, you know, listen, straight up, like my boy who kind of went down that little more of a gangster path, he came to me and he was like, yo, you need to get up, man. You need to get out of the house. Let's go, man. Wake up. We're going. Get up. Get out. And I remember getting up and getting out and moving my body kind of woke up my body and my mind at the same time. So I know that you know, listen, uh, exercise isn't the cure for depression, and don't let anybody tell you that it truly, truly is, but 1,000%, it helps tremendously getting up and moving. So I moved, and I got up, and thank God to this day, I haven't had a bout of depression since, and I believe that I've been able to be lucky enough to avoid the unfortunate mental illness and the bipolar and the schizophrenia and the the disorders that my aunts and uncles had that caused them to, to kill themselves. And so my life's been kind of beautiful since then, but it just makes me think, it just, it just brings me back to full circle going, you're here. If you're listening to this, you're lucky that you're here. You're alive. Whatever your situation is, Try to make the best of it. And I know people got bad situations, rough situations, financial situations, money situations, but just try to do what you can with what you got because to me that was what I took from like the life that I got to see from somebody like Kobe. And like Kimmel said, I'm not here to say basketball players are heroes. I give a fuck about basketball players, to be honest, like about basketball as a, as a whole. To me, the whole country is backwards when it comes to who's your hero, okay? And it's exactly what Kimmel said. It's like, yo, firefighters do more than, than basketball players. You know what I mean? But what I got from watching Kobe and what, what kind of just like triggered this whole rant was that he took the gifts that he had very seriously. 
and he left it all on the floor with his discipline and his habits. And he put love in his heart and he made and he gave the love to his family as best he could. In do men screw up? Do women screw? We all screw up. But you gotta always just look at the clock, check the clock, because time is running out. And my boy Jesse talks about this. You know, he talks about how many more visits do you have with your kids? How many visits do you have with your parents if you don't live in the same city? How many more visits do you have with the ones you love that you don't live around? Think about it. You know, love the people that you're around and get around people that can make you better and you can raise up. Now, I always like to say, what if I'm the one that's raising them up? Like, what if I don't, you know, what if people who are down want to get around me and I can bring them up? That's something too. You know what I mean? That's something as well. It's not just about you going to be around people that can raise you up and get you more and make you better. No, sometimes you're the guy. Sometimes you're the guy that has to help bring other people up. And like I said, I'm not rich. I'm not wealthy, but I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. And I look at it like I'm a freaking underdog. You know what I mean? I'm from Southfield, Michigan. Okay, go look at Southfield on your map. Go take a trip around Southfield. You know, I didn't grow up with money. We ate. We never thought about it. Nobody was hurting. I ate every meal of my life. I wasn't. I didn't know that we didn't have money, but we didn't. My dad didn't make any money till the last four years of his life, and then he died at forty-seven and couldn't couldn't even enjoy what he had built. So, I know what it is to appreciate the time that we have. I know what it is to appreciate, you know, the people around you and the people you love. So I just wanted to say the whole Kobe thing, it shook me to the core. I'd never experienced anything like this in a media situation where this many people felt it. You go to the supermarket downstairs, you can feel it. You look at people walking around, they can feel it because it's it's the metaphor of what it means. It's not just Kobe Bryant. It's what that means that a father and a daughter and other parents and their kids were lost in a tragic accident and their lives were cut way too short. And I just want to say, appreciate what you got. Go on a smile journey. See how many laughs and smiles you can get out of this world. And I remember, and I got to be honest, I'm not a big fan of Jeff Garland's stand-up comedy. I could give a shit. I don't know Jeff Garland, but I love him on Curb and I really like him. But oddly enough, I remember him saying something like 12 years ago. He doesn't know me. I was in the audience somewhere, and he used to talk about how many smiles or how many laughs you have left in your life. And I thought, like, that's why Garland's, like, real successful, because I don't know him as a person, but if that's where his heart was at, then he is... He's definitely onto something. But he talked about how many smiles do you have left? How many laughs can you get? So I would just say, yo, go out there and find a way to feel some joy in your heart. And I know you're going through rough times. And I know, you know, sometimes it looks like you're in a dark cloud and you're not coming out. Power through the cloud. You can get out of it. You can get out of it. You will get out of it. So take the Kobe thing as what it was. And that's time's ticking and the clock is running out and be the best you can be before the clock runs out. Peace. Take me back when I was a kid. Take me Never back had now. to worry about oh. what I did. The one time I'm a man two. now. Check it out. Now. Gotta the get it down. Sound. No time for fun down now. now.
back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now.